praise the Lord. It's just so great to be here. I love just coming to Grace Covenant. I think I've been coming to preach here 27 years. You think, well, how's that possible? You look like 27, and that is true, give or take a few decades. Believe it or not, I'm just 66, and um, what an interesting time we're in, and I'm so blessed. I have some of my dearest friends in the world here, Brett and Cynthia Fuller, Jim and Angie Critcher, others, so uh, Kathy grew up in this area just a few miles from here, and um, I have her with me, which is a blessing. 41 years, she's put up with me. She'll probably get the martyr's crown in heaven. Okay. Um, Honestly, it's so good to be here. And let's pray. Holy Spirit, I thank you for my Grace Covenant family. I have dear friends. I look out, I see Duke and Kathy Bendix, so dear to Kathy and I, and just privileged to be here with family. What an interesting time we find ourselves in, Lord. Lead me and guide me. Amen. I'm, it's in my intention, unless the Holy Spirit fully arrests me, to get to the book of Ruth in a moment. But I talked to Pastor Brett, and we were connecting. He's off for a few days, and, and he thought it'd be good for me to kind of encourage you with some things the Lord has shown me. Um, those of you that know me know that I receive impressions from the Holy Spirit about world events, um, national events, and people. And so I want to talk to you about what God began to show me December 31st, 2018, about our country and what would happen. And basically, everything that has happened, he showed me, and I want to encourage you with what he showed me and What's going to happen? It's interesting in Psalms 31, um, said, blessed be the Lord for he's wondrously shown his steadfast love to me. When I was in a besieged city, I said in my alarm, I'm cut off from your sight, but you heard the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cried. We're just besieged right now on every side. Uh, not just in the United States, but in the world. That is the fact of it. It was December 31st, 2018. It was New Year's Eve. And like GCC, I go to a multi-site church, but it's in uh, Tennessee. We have three sites, one in Brentwood, Tennessee, one in Murfreesboro, one in Clarksville. Uh, The site I go to is pastored by um, an incredible African-American named James Lowe. His daughter, Debbie, is from the Winan family, youngest girl in that family. That site's predominantly African-American and we're at like a few thousand people when you look at all three sites. And I've been on the elder board there for decades. And um, they asked to speak and I was sitting there. And by the way, all this is public record. All this that I'm going to share with you was recorded. And the next thing I knew, I saw scales. And uh, they were the scales of divine justice. And I knew that America was being weighed in the scale. And the, the scales were just kind of tipping back and forth. And I was, okay, this country's coming to a tipping point. We're coming to a crisis point. The next thing I knew, to my right was like the unrighteous side. To my left, as I looked, was the righteous side. And a few things fell into the unrighteous side. And as the scales plunged down, I saw New York City crushed. Just crushed, beloved. 
the, the economic markets begin to sway, I could literally hear people in my mind's eye screaming, who'll save us? Depression, recession, who will save us? The whole country was shaken, beloved. Now I have kids in, I might add, New York City, I have a daughter and her husband, and then I saw the country so shaken that California flipped vertical. I have three grandchildren, Kathy and I, and a son and daughter in California. And I have no way to tell you, the whole country began to slide. What seemed like a slide in a depression, a slide into chaos. And I kept hearing these words, 17 months, 17 months, 17 months, 17 months. Man, honestly, I, that's not the easiest way. I'm getting ready to preach and I'm seeing all this. And as the country began to slide, I saw the hands of our Heavenly Father reach out to catch the country. I stood up and it was a very mature congregation that night. Probably maybe eight, nine hundred of our people were there. Um, a lot of our intercessors and leaders and, and the Spirit of the Lord came on me. And I told them, and I, and I shared some of that. And I said this, 17 months as the calendar ticks down. That was the weekend, I might add, that, mis- that was the weekend Mr. Floyd was killed. 17 months, the country will come into a time of division and polarization. And the hearts of many will fail them. Civility will seem to die. People will be frightened. Ethnic tensions will come. Now we know that God once again is dealing with injustice toward African Americans. That is the reality. He is. He's dealing with things and other things as well. But he's put his finger on that again. And as I watched that play out, I saw the nation just convulse. And then the Lord said, told me, he said, do not listen to the doomsayers. The hearts of many will fail them for fear. But this nation is not going to slide into lasting depression or recession. This nation is not going to slide into anarchy and just fall apart. Oh, no. This nation will slide into a fresh move of my spirit. And this nation will slide into revival as I heal it. Now, why do I tell you that? Because it's just easy to feel cut off from God's sight right now. Many of you, both in front of me and watching online, you feel, man, I'm besieged right now, Jim. Like as African-Americans, the question is, like how long after 400 years will we still wait for full justice in the country? But no matter what your ethnicity, there's a sense of being besieged right now, economically. It's COVID still stalking us. I was so burdened by this in May, I was driven to the mountains by the Holy Spirit. This part was not recorded because I was alone. 
the Lord told me, he said, get ready, Jim. Your country's going to become a very dangerous place. I woke up the next morning and I saw a virtual river of death come out of China and pour into every nations of the earth. God said, that's your future. But I've got it. Don't be afraid. Now, let me tell you, beloved, no matter what you're facing this morning, no matter what has ruptured your finances, we know as we've been stuck together, things have also come to the surface with kids and marriages and families. And it's easy to be beseeched right now. It's, it's just easy to feel that God doesn't see it. Oh, but he does. And God is coming by his spirit. God is coming by his power to touch our country, to heal wounds that only he can heal, and to bring revival. Now, you say, well, what's that mean to me? Oh, beloved, everything. And I find myself realizing, you say, Jim, everything is contracting right now. The economy is contracted, jobs, pain, it's just everywhere. But in the middle of these contractions, there's another contraction taking place. They're divine contractions. They're the pangs of revival. And God is getting ready to pour out his Holy Spirit on our country and heal what only he can heal and save people we've cried out to be saved. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for believing. This is our moment. This is it. Polarized, divided, people afraid. God's not surprised by any of it. Before I turn to the book of Ruth, let's pray. Holy Spirit, let's greet on this. We ask for a fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit. Sweep over this nation in power. Sweep over this nation in healing. Sweep over this nation and save millions. None of this catches you by surprise. You're coming to touch us. Lord, my eyes are on you. My eyes are on you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. All right, turn with me to the book of Ruth. Let me get to my message. And I'm just, I, I fought, said, Lord, do you really want me to talk on Ruth? But I can't, I can't resist as so I have to be obedient. All right, give me a second here to get to old Ruth. And I decided to preach out of open Bible today, not because I'm too lazy to do notes, just felt to. I want to take you on a journey. I want to take you back to another time of famine. People beginning to starve. Economy shattered. I want to entitle this message from the house of the dead to the house of bread. Lessons from the story of Ruth. Says in Ruth 1, and this is the time of the judges. In those days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. Sooner or later as a believer, you're going to hit a famine. 
all of us do. Could be economic, could be marital, but like where you just feel like, man, I, I know I love God, but I'm just in a famine right now. And it just didn't right. Like I've served the Lord. I'm, I'm one of his sons. I'm one of his daughters. And this man's, his name was Elimelech, which means God is king. But when the te- famine strikes you, the temptation is, well, you know, I've really been faithful to God. He's not really helped me. I'm going to make it on my own. So Elimelech decided, well, let's just move to Moab. Now, Moab was a historic enemy of Israel. Uh, they were idol worshipers. They're the ones that when they try to come into the promised land, um, Balak had hired Balaam, the warlock, to curse them. I mean, that was just, we're, let's go, you know, we love God, but surely he don't want us, you know. You know, church kind of let us down. The Lord just let us down. Surely he's not going to mind if we just wander down to Moab. And sooner or later, there's going to come a time of famine in your life where you're just going to feel let down by God. We feel like, I mean, I've served God, pastor, I've tithed, I've done it all, but I'm just in a famine. This just isn't right that this could happen to me. And they journeyed down with his wife, Naomi, which means favored, and he had two sons. Now, why you'd name your kids this, I don't know. Um, he had these two boys, Malon and Chilion, and his oldest son, his name meant sickness. His youngest son named destruction. Now, why you'd name your kids that, I don't know, but anyway, he did. And they go down to Moab, and first she loses her husband. He dies. They're there 10 years, both boys marry. They marry Moabite women. They marry outside the faith. And they die. Typically, when we run from the house of bread, we end up in the house of the dead. I don't mean we die, but something dies in us. Something just wounded in us. Maybe you say, well, Pastor Jim, I've just been in a famine. There's just been a famine. It's like, you know, I, I, maybe you're watching online. You say, you know, I, I'm watching online. I'm not sure I'd be in church even if there wasn't a famine. I mean, it's been tough. It's just been hard. And now they're stuck in Moab. And Naomi has two dead sons, a dead husband. She's a widow. And both of them married outside of Israel. Like, how could she bring them back? Maybe you feel trapped in a situation this morning. Maybe death is just surrounding you and you said, is there any way out for me, Pastor Jim? What do I do? Then it said, in verse 6, then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab the Lord had visited his people. She got word back in Bethlehem, there's revival. Back in Bethlehem, God is moving. Back in Bethlehem, like God is on the move. She looked at her daughters and she says, listen, I love you. You were great daughters, but no use going back with me. I've got no more boys for you to marry. Even if I remarried, you'd be waiting a long time. You've been great. You've been amazing. One was um, Orpha, one was Ruth. She said, listen, I love you. You couldn't be better, but stay with your own people. You know, stay with your own God. Stay where you belong. 
And Ruth said, listen, I've seen something in you that I want. Now it's interesting, when old Naomi gets home, she said, don't call me Naomi anymore. I'm not favored. Call me Mara. I'm bitter because the Lord's been unfair with me. Now, that wouldn't make me want to go to Israel is all I can say. But Ruth said, listen, there's something in your faith. There's something no matter what I've heard about you. I beg you, let me go. I'll leave everything just be. Let me come to Israel. Maybe you're like Ruth today and maybe there's just this journey in your heart that somehow you realize, I know there's more for me, Jim. I just know there's more for me. And so Ruth and Naomi, and they're on their way back. And in verse 19, they come to Bethlehem. And the whole town is stirred up. That means house of bread. Is this not Naomi? She said to them, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Just name me bitterness. At least she was in touch with that. For the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. Let's just stop right there. A little teeny bit of self-deception. I went away full. No, you went away starving, sweetie. Sorry. <laughs> My life was so good. And look what the Lord has done to me. No, no, you were starving and mad and angry and you and your husband left. Oh, how easy it is to forget. She's back. Maybe you've been on a journey and you're wrestling with resentment today. You're frustrated with things in your marriage or your life. And it just seems unfair. Yeah, but Lord, it's just unfair in my marriage. It's unfair in my job. Lord, I used to be favored. Now I'm embittered. You ever been there? I have. Anyone that's followed God has been mad at him a time or two. It's just a fact. How could this strike my body, pastor? How could this happen to me? How could I go through this? She's left the house of the dead and now she's come into the house of the fed. Now watch this. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. You have to understand there was a, a law called the law of the kinsman redeemer. And it was very complex and it had very extensive. In one hand it said, if a family had lost everything and had to sell it, a relative had the right to purchase it so it could stay in the family. It was even so deep it was said that if a man died, left his wife or mother or family with no means, and his wife was still alive, his brother or another relative could marry that wife, have children by her, and rebuild his brother's line. And there was a man, his name was Boaz. Very wealthy, very powerful. He was the kinsman redeemer of Naomi. But she had no thought in her mind that he'd even take a look at her, glance at her. Her sons had married Moabites. And let me tell you right now, we have a kinsman redeemer. His name is Jesus. Yes. 
No matter where you are, no matter what you've gone through, no matter what you're facing today, he has redemption for you. Naomi's felt so far from this Jesus, she didn't even suggest to Ruth, go into his field. But the Bible says, she said, her, go to my daughter and glean. And back there, there was a law that when you were harvesting your field, the poor and the destitute and the marginalized could go into your field and take what was left freely after the harvest. She wandered into this field and it said, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was the clan of Elimelech. Happened. Divinely, sovereignly. This young woman from a background of idolatry. This young woman who'd grown up in a culture where children were sacrificed in the fire to God. This young woman just happened into the field of her redeemer. Just happened into church. Just happened. How many of you know nothing just happens in the kingdom of God? Because all things work together for good to those that love him and are called according. She's in the field with no idea that she's come into the field of Redeemer. And all of a sudden, Boaz spots her. He has no idea. And he said, who is it? And they go, well, you know, she's been here all day. And he looks, at Bo- he looks and he says, Ruth, now listen, my daughter, don't glean another field. I want you to stay in this field. I've charged my young men to take care of you. You can eat with us, drink with us. And then she says, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? He said, the whole city knows how you didn't abandon your mother-in-law. The whole city knows that even in her pain, you did not leave her. They all know how you left everything you knew to take care of her. And then he says this. He says, the Lord repay you for what you've done and a full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel under those whose wings you've come to take refuge. Cared for, she never realized this is your redeemer. She's being fed. Her needs are being met. And some of you say, well, Pastor Jim, I'm not in the house of the dead. I'm in the house of the fed. But God has more for you. There's more than just gleaning. There's more than just surviving in the kingdom of God. There's more for you. No matter what your background, no matter what your pain, no matter how marginalized you feel, maybe you're embittered in spirit, maybe there's a famine somewhere in your life today. She comes home to Naomi. She starts in the house of the dead. She goes to the house of the fed. Then she goes to the house of the wed. She's going to come into a relationship with her redeemer that will change her life forever. Now watch this. Then Naomi met her mother-in-law, said to her, my daughter, should I not seek? She comes back home and Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken us. This man is a close relative. He is one of our redeemers. Naomi she goes, she wandered into the field of one of our kinsmen redeemers. One of the men in the family that could save them, change them. And then in chapter three, verse one, 
The mother-in-law says this to her. The new mother-in-law said to her, my daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative with whose young women you were? Here's what she told her. You see, God wants to do more than just give you the gleanings. He wants to do more. He wants to bring you into a deep, vital relationship with him. For some of you watching it may be the first time you don't really know him. She said this. She said, I want you to dress. I want you to get ready. And tonight, I want you to go to the threshing floor. Women didn't go to the threshing floor at night. It was going to make her really vulnerable. And after the minute threshed and feasted, they would sleep on the threshing floor. It's the place where the grain was ground and threshed. So this man's our kinsman redeemer. And perhaps if you make yourself vulnerable, he'll redeem you, marry you, and bring you out of poverty into family. This is a big deal. She's not just a woman. She's a foreigner. She's an immigrant from a hated people. A people that Israel had been in war with on and off for years and years and years. So that night, she crept down onto the threshing floor. And old Boaz was asleep. And I'll read this to you. When Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. That means she risked her whole reputation. She made herself vulnerable in hopes that if I laid down at this man's feet, she uncovered his blanket and basically got under the blanket with him. No more vulnerable position. People could think, is this a prostitute? What's going on here? And at midnight, the man was startled and turned over. And behold, a woman lay at his feet. He said, who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are my redeemer. She risked everything that night. They could have accused her of prostitution. But what, what did she say? He told her, you've come under the wings of Israel. And she laid his feet and she said, I ask you to take me under your wings for you are my redeemer. There comes a time in our life where it's not just enough to be a little blessing, not just enough to be fed, but we position ourselves at the feet of our redeemer. And we say, I'm not satisfied with just knowing you from afar. I'm not satisfied. I want under your covering. 
I'm coming under the shadows of your wings. You're my redeemer. I want you as my Lord. That man could have said, who is this woman? Throw her off. He said, when I wake up the next morning, I'll redeem you. Now, to take you into the context, there was one other man there who was a closer relative, and he had the first right to redeem her. And here's what's interesting, and this is prophetic for you. He said, at midnight, Boaz woke up and saw her. What does midnight mean in scripture? Midnight means the new day has come. It's just too dark to see it. Many of you find yourself at the midnight hour. America is in the midnight hour. Before the sun came up, he blessed her with grain and he said, slip out now. You can't be seen here. It'll hurt your reputation. But in the light of day, I'll redeem you. Find yourself in the midnight hour. Find yourself in the hard place. The feet of Jesus under his covering is the safest place to be. The next morning, Boaz woke up. He went immediately to a closer relative. He said, do you want to buy Ruth's field? He goes, oh yeah, I love to buy Ruth's field. He goes, do you want to marry her? Not so sure about that. That might mess up my inheritance. Boaz said this, then give me your sandal. That's another whole thing. And I'll marry her. And so they had a wedding. Ruth, the Moabitess, married her redeemer. And that's in chapter four. It's a beautiful story. All the elders gathered her and they began to pray over her and speak and declare over her. She's a foreigner. Came out of idolatry like no real hope. But not only did she get redeemed, but Naomi got redeemed. I'll show you that in a moment. They begin to pray over at her wedding. They say, whoa, may the Lord bless you like Rachel and Leah who mothered Israel. That makes sense. Then they said, may the Lord bless you like Tamar, who was the mother of Perez. That's a scary one. Tamar married into a family where God killed both her first two husbands. That's a scary story. And her father-in-law had one son left and he was so afraid that if she married him, he might get killed too. So he left her unmarried after promising his youngest son. She dressed like a prostitute, slept with her father-in-law and had a child. He was gonna burn her when he, until he realized he was the father of the child. And why would they say, and may God bless you like he blessed Tamar? Wait a minute. What is that? That God's power and God's love and God's forgiveness is greater than your sin. It's greater than your past. It's greater than what you've gone through. And then they blessed her. 
And she had a baby. And she put that little boy into the arms of Naomi. And all Naomi's friends who had known her said, God has redeemed Naomi. She's no longer Mara. And he who she, who, she who lost her sons now has a son. And her friends named him Obed, which means worshiper and servant, who was the father of Jesse, who was the father of David. Very line of Christ. God took a precious young woman foreign to every promise and put her Christ's line. God took an old woman who'd been embittered by life, blaming God, and gave her a brand new life. You see, when you come to the feet of your Jesus and you find him as Redeemer and Lord, and for some of us and all of us, that's a process, especially the Lord part. But when you find that, it doesn't just redeem you. It touches your family line. The choices you make will affect your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. No matter what has brought you into famine today, no matter what has hurt you, affected you, God sees it. And you have a kinsman redeemer. There is a redeemer who can redeem you from your past, can wash it away, can touch your soul, can draw you out of famine, can draw you out of bitterness, can draw you. And this is the God we serve. Since there's no one I will not bring under my wings. We've come to the midnight hour in our lives, in our country. A new day will dawn for us. It's yet too dark to see it. And what is this place of safety? At the feet of our Redeemer. Jesus, cover me. Cover me. Let's pray this right now. Jesus, we come to your feet. Cover us afresh. In the midnight hour, we come. If you need a fresh touch of redemption today, just wave your hand at me right now. Lord, you see our hands are up. Come, oh great. Join me up here, Tiffany. Come, oh great Redeemer. Come and touch us. Come. Let's just say this. Come, Redeemer. Say it again. Come, Redeemer. Freshly redeem me. Freshly redeem my family. Freshly redeem our nation. Our hope is in you. Our hope is in you. Thank you.